Mr. McGowan owned several of the Texaco stations in Post Texas where I went to high school. And I remember going to him and saying, hey, is there any way I could get a job? I needed, I needed a school job on the weekends. And so he gave me a job at the Texaco. And if you ever drive through Post Texas, they're not there anymore. So that was a long time ago. And they've disappeared from the face of the planet. But the memories that I gained and the experience I gained while I was there are still there. It's imprinted me in a very real way. In fact, one of the things that would happen, I remember back in the day, this has been a little longer than 10 years ago, just a little bit, um, remember that when you pulled into a gas station, they were full-service gas stations. So, I mean, as soon as somebody pulled up, we were out there, man. I, I had the, the red rag in my, in, in my back pocket to check the oil, and then, man, we'd go to work on it, and, we'd fill it, and we would fill the tank. But every time, I would, I would go up to the window, and I would ask this question, so what can I do for you today? And they would inevitably say what? Fill her up. Now, when we were in Europe, their big thing is top it off. Top it off. Everything. So whether it's you getting your, the tube, which is their, their subway system, top off your card or, or top off your copy. Everything is top it off. Here it was fill her up. And that imprinted me so much so that I found that at times in my life, as I've been praying, in my prayer life, I'll say to the Lord, Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Would you just fill her up? And I go, wait, where did that come from? It came from working at the gas station. Here's what we're talking about, because we've been talking about emptying out. So overflow is this idea that you have to be empty and get things out and make room so that you can be filled with that which is good, which is his presence and his spirit. So today we're going to be talking about what it means to be filled with the spirit. And what I've found to be true, and many of you may know this too, depending on what you're your theological perspective is. Wherever you came from, we come from very different. The fun thing about being a part of Oak Hills is that we come from a variety of backgrounds. I mean, my job description is nuts. Preach God, the world, and other things every Sunday because, I mean, we have a wide variety of folks here. And you never know who you're talking to. But here's what's beautiful about it is that even though in your faith tradition, maybe there wasn't a lot of talk about the Holy Spirit I want to say welcome to the new season because here's why it's important. Back in the 60s and 70s, something began to happen in American churches known as the charismatic renewal. Now what happened was that people begin to cry out to say, wait, I've read the Bible and it talks about this person, the Holy Spirit. Not a force, not an it, it not a thing, but the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And there was a season throughout history, particularly in American church history, where we were basically devoid of the work of the Spirit. As people read the Bible, and God began to move in various types of revivals in the early Jesus movement out in, on the West Coast, uh, through Calvary chapels, Pastor Chuck Smith, a lot of things happened that stirred up an interest and a heart for wanting to know more about the Holy Spirit. Then there was the Catholic, there was uh, the lay businessman's movement. There were very thing, various things that happened within various movements where suddenly, particularly in the 70s, the Holy Spirit came back on the scene because people began to realize, I'm trying to live this Christian life and I'm getting nowhere. I am just wearing myself out, spinning my wheels. There's got to be, and here was the key word, there's got to be more. Amen. You ever felt that way in your Christian life? Okay, you read the Bible. Okay, I've read that story before. Check. Then you read it again. Check. And you think, there's got to be more. My kids are spinning out. My job is out of control. 
My marriage isn't doing great. Some, there's got to be more. I mean, is following Jesus just showing up, tithing, you know, teaching a Sunday school class, serving? Is, is this what it's all about? Going to church, checking the box, and then just trying to live a happy, comfortable life? Or is there more? And what was discovered during the 70s is this thing began to catch up, catch steam and steamroll. In my own tradition, called the Restoration Movement throughout the 80s with guys like Dr. Jack Taylor and Peter Lord and others, there was just a movement where the Holy Spirit began to show up in church services much like this. Oh, be afraid, very afraid. No, I'm just kidding. Don't be scared. By the way, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman, just so you know. So, so the Holy Spirit began to show up in unique ways. Dr. Jack Deere, who, who wrote Surprised by the Power of the Spirit, uh, was an was a independent Baptist, Dallas Theological Seminary professor, when in fact, during a meeting, a lady came up to him, very classy, dressed to the nines, and she completely manifested a demon right in his presence. And he had never seen or experienced anything like that before. In fact, he had taught against it, and when he joined the faculty of DTS, actually had to sign a document saying, we do not believe in the current work of the Holy Spirit in the, these expressions. So he had to actually sign a waiver saying he didn't believe in it. Then he taught that he didn't believe in it. And then there's this lady standing right in front of him, full on manifestation. What do you do? Well, if it walks, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. So, I mean, he couldn't deny it. And in that moment, his entire trajectory changed. And he wrote a book called Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. If you ever want a good book about the Holy Spirit coming from a tradition and a place where there was no mention of the Holy Spirit, very little, if any, that is a good book to read. By the way, Dr. Jack Deere, Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. So suddenly he's faced with it and now he has to deal with it. So in churches, what happened in the 70s and in the 80s is that the Holy Spirit came to the forefront. Now, a lot of times when something is new or revisited, there's a pendulum swing from one extreme, zero, to another extreme, 190 miles an hour. So that's kind of what happened. There was a pendulum swing. And now at some point in time, I like to think that the pendulum has rested back somewhere in a healthy place. And that's where my heart is. Because I've done the pendulum swing from zero to 190, and now I'm here in this place to say, we welcome everything the Holy Spirit wants to do and be among us. And we don't have to be afraid of that. Because, as I said a moment ago, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Now here's some news for you, which you may or may not have ever heard. If you do not have the fullness, filling of the Holy Spirit operative in your life, there is no way you can successfully and victoriously walk out the Christian life. Amen. Zero. Now, you can be a Christian, but that doesn't mean you're going to thrive. You'll just be in a place of surviving. And listen, Jesus didn't call you to survive. He called you to thrive in this thing. And let me tell you, that's when this gets fun. When you live a life of mission and a life on adventure where every morning you wake up going, what are we going to do today? What, have we, what are we going to engage? Who are we going to meet? How, I'm telling you, it becomes an adventure. And if your walk with Jesus is an adventure, I have to say something. There might just be more. So I want to talk about that today. Let's talk about being filled with the Spirit. And let me just share this, first of all, the harvest vision. 
About a year and a half ago, Max Lucado, I, I would call him my boss, but he won't let me, so I call him my coach and my friend and my mentor. Max sat down with all of us. We have seven campuses at Oak Hills Church. We're now us and Journey Fellowship about to become our own standalone. We'll still be family, but we're going to be our own church. But we have seven campuses. A year and a half ago, he sits down and he says, I've been praying and in my prayer time, I believe that the Holy Spirit has spoken to me. Now, this is our senior minister, Max Lucado, saying, I believe the Holy Spirit told me something. I don't know about you, but I would go, I want to know what that is. Remember, I don't ask how, I just say, wow. So I'm like, wow. So he shares with us that the Lord has given him what he believes is a word directly about a harvest that is imminent. A harvest of souls and changed lives that is imminent and that is coming. And that we need to get ready. Now listen, if I hear something once, I go, wow, that's awesome. I will join you in that prayer, Max. And that's exactly what I did. But when you start to hear things two times, three times, because that wasn't the first time I had heard that. So Annette and I, we're living in Nashville, Tennessee. We get word that Reinhard Bonnke and Daniel Kalinda are going to be doing a meeting in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Now, if you don't know who Reinhard Bonnke is, he is the most prolific evangelist of our time. As much as we know and celebrate Billy Graham and rest his soul, absolutely, Actually, Reinhard Bonnke has seen more people come to Christ in his lifetime than Billy Graham did. And because he's been in Africa, mostly in third world countries, doing ministry, Reinhard Bonnke was the first person that actually had over a million people in attendance in one meeting at one time. Over a million. Can you even wrap your mind around a crowd of a million people? And he has seen signs and wonders. He's seen healings. He's seen the move of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, that wasn't his background. Much like Dr. Jack Deere. Sometimes when you step out for God, he'll throw stuff in your path that you didn't have room for in your theological boat. But he loves to mess up our theological boats, by the way. He messes with mine all the time. So here... Here Reinhard Bonnke is, and they're over in Africa. And when he's a young man, the Lord speaks to Reinhard and says, I'm going to give you Africa. Because what Reinhard had been praying for was souls, for salvation. As an evangelist, his passion was to see people come to know Jesus. So the Lord spoke to him, I'm going to give you souls. There will be a great harvest in Africa. Now, we've seen millions. And if you've ever read his 700-page book, which I did, literally 700-plus pages, and I couldn't put it down. It was riveting. And I read that book and I saw that the role that the Holy Spirit played in that happening and in his life and in this prolific. So we've got Max Lucado, the most prolific author of our time, 41 plus New York Times bestsellers, over 100 books written, and he's still cranking them out. I don't know how he does it. Secondly, you've got Reinhard Bonnke, the most prolific evangelist of our time, saying, I believe harvest is coming. Now, here's what happened. So we're, we're in Murfreesboro. They call a meeting because he feels like the Lord's spoken to him in regards to America. So Annette and I are like, jump in the car, drive over to Murfreesboro. There's tons of people packed out in this room. He and Daniel Kalinda, Daniel's kind of his protege. He's going to kind of take the reins uh, as Reinhard has gotten older. Daniel's picking up a lot of the slack there, and they're running together. He says, when I was a young man, 
the Lord spoke very clearly to me. I'm going to give you Africa. It's exactly what he did. He said, the Lord has spoken to me again. He said, I'm going to give you America. Amen. And I, listen, I don't ask how. I just say, wow. And I said, wow. And I'm like, whatever that means, we want to be in on that. And so, so now I've heard this from two different sources of, of two very influential, impactful people. They did a prayer line there, and I'd never been a part of something like this, but, but they did a prayer line where Reinhard and Daniel would pray over you, but you just have to get in this line and kind of move through it. And so here we are kind of going through this line. I'm up, I'm excited, and I get up to Daniel Kalenda. He's actually standing up in a chair, I believe. It wasn't a tall chair, but he's standing up, so he's kind of above. As I walk by him, he does something I did not see coming. Because if I would have, I probably would have gone, huh, but I didn't. So he takes his hand and he slaps me in the stomach hard. I mean, like my breath goes, Phew. you know, I'm getting the breath knocked out of you. And when he hits me, he yells, fire. And he hit me. I don't know if it was the anointing or the pain, but something happened in me where I felt the fire of God course through my stomach, my gut. It was like fire. And remember, I was shaking. I was so messed up after that in a good way. And I went and sat down and just tried to collect myself and say, Lord, what does that mean for me? What does that mean? So now, Reinhard Bonnke has said, America is due for harvest. Max Ocato has said, he's, believed that he's heard the Lord, that America is due for harvest. Now, one other who's had a massive and continues to have an impact in my life is Pastor Bill Johnson of Bethel Church in Redding, California. We've been out there a couple of times. We've visited. We've been on that campus, and we've just experienced what God is doing in a very unique way. I would say that is the only church that I know of in America that has actually hosted and stewarded revival well where there is a continuous culture of ongoing revival. How many of you know that there have been various moves of God through the years in Wales, in Europe, in America, um, throughout our history, but none have ever sustained? We've not understood what it means to host the presence of God and actually steward a revival, steward a move of God. And that's something that Bill, as a student of revivals through the years, has studied and said there's got to be a way to steward revival and create a culture where revival is not only imminent, but it's sustained. And I believe that as far as I know, that's the only church I've ever seen that's doing it and doing it well. And so we were out there and Bill himself has taken his team, his staff, their bands. They produce Jesus Culture, which is, by the way, is their youth band. Hello. And Bethel Music is their larger church band. And they have impacted the world through their music, through their songwriting, and through Bill's teaching. He wrote a book called When Heaven Invades Earth, which was a game changer for me back in the early 2000s, uh, 2003, 2004. Totally impacted my life. I've heard Bill say this. He said, I believe that God is going to explode a revival and central, listen to this, central Texas is going to be the epicenter of a major move of God. Now, I'm not a geographer or anything like that, but here's what I do know. Just outside of Brady, Texas, there is actually a monument, a marker which marks the geographic center of Texas. Brady's not that far from here. So I'm like, if he's bringing an eight point on the Richter scale, we're going to get some, some impact. You know what I mean? 
So I'm like, Lord, why not here? Why not now? And why not us? Amen? Some of you are going, I'm not sure why I'm clapping. What does that mean? I'm clapping, but I'm not sure why. Listen, I want to encourage you in something. Holy Spirit's a gentleman. And God's heart for people. This is what this is all about. This is about God's love for people. It's not about having exciting worship services, although I'm all in with that. And it's not about having an amazing worship team. I'm totally all in with that. It's more about what happens not in this box that we call the church, the shell, the building. It's what happens in and through you where you live, where you work, and where you play. All throughout the week, you're in environments I will never be in. We all have unique spheres of influence. That's this area around your life that you have influence. And the heart of God and his love for people is that revival comes through you, where you live, where you work, and where you play. Not through here. What happens here is we just come together to party and to celebrate what God's doing in your life out there where you live, where you work, and where you help me play. That's what God, and that is where God wants to invade and step into. You hear what I'm saying? So I've heard three of the most influential men in my life say the same thing in varied ways, but the same thing. And I, look, I, like I said, I may not be dumb, but I'm not, I mean, I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. I didn't just fall off the turnip truck. So, I hear something three times from some of the most influential people in my life. I'm, I take notice. So here it is, the harvest vision. This is something that Max shared with us, and I have taken it, and I am running with it. I'm running with this thing. So I want to share it with you just real quickly. Our verse, and this is what the Lord gave Max, is this. Acts 1.8, and it's on the screen. You can barely read it. But if you, you will receive power. Someone say power. It's the word dunamis. We get our word dynamite. It literally means explosive power. And if you look it up and study the word, it literally means this. Power for working miracles. We talked about EDMs in, in during the fall. Everyday miracles through our awestruck series. That's, this is that. It says you will see power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. There's that person again, the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses. Now listen, Annette and I know all about witnesses because we watch Law and Order. Come on, somebody. <laughs> kung Kung, you know what I'm saying? We're all in. We love it. We love the, the one the SVU. That's why I keep saying SUV, but it's SVU. We love that one. We're all in. We watch it. We're riveted. But here's what we know. Okay, we're not attorneys or anything, but we do watch TV. So here's how we know. Whenever somebody is on the witness stand, so he says, you shall be my what? My witnesses. When someone's on the witness stand, they have one responsibility, one job to do. And it is simply this, to answer the questions. That's it. And it's not to extrapolate. It's not to expand upon. In fact, whenever they try to do that, and this is what's really frustrating as someone watching the show, someone, we know they have more to say, right? But an attorney, in their skill crafts a leading question, and that leading question only allows them to answer a small slice of what they know, and we're frustrated because we know they know more because we've been watching the show, right? We know there's more context. 
But when the question is asked, they have one responsibility, one duty, one thing, just one thing, and it's to answer the question. And when they answer the question, that's it. They're done. Now, you may not like the outcome of what happens. I don't. I get really upset watching it. But here's the deal, because we know there's more. But if they ever go outside the purview and the boundaries of that question, what happens? The attorney shuts them down. Says, no, 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 just answer the question. I'm like, no, he has more to say. There's more than you know. He needs, no, just answer the question. And when they do, thank you very much, it's done. And then they try to extrapolate, no, thank you very much, you're done. And then we're all upset, right? Because we know there's more to the story. Here's the deal. He says, you shall be my witnesses. Where at? In Jerusalem. Where's that? That's our sphere of influence. That's where we live. Where else? In Judea. That's the larger area, the larger region. And then he says something that we read it and don't get it. But when he said it to them, it stopped. It was an E.F. Hutton moment. Anybody remember E.F. Hutton? When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. listen. When he said Samaria, it was like, hey, we were with you on Jerusalem. Man, we love Judea. But when you said Samaria, you just threw us in. You just wrecked it. He stopped the show, shut the room down when he said Samaria. Because Samaria was where those other people lived. Oak Hills Church, Fredericksburg, Texas. Our call is not just Jerusalem. Our call is not just Judea. Our call is Samaria. To people who don't look like us, act like us, Aren't we funny, we as Christians? We expect people who don't know Jesus to act like Christians, and when, we, when they don't, we get frustrated. God has called us into Samaria. Samaria was where the Gentiles lived, and they were the dirty Gentiles. In fact, they would do everything they could to avoid going through Samaria to get to northern Israel because of those Gentiles, because they're dirty and they're unclean. And they would avoid them at all costs. Aren't you glad we don't avoid people in our day? Say, I love Pastor Jimmy. Okay, if just one of you said that, I would be happy right now. So I just needed one. So listen to this. This is the harvest vision. Four Ds. To discover who you are. To develop who you are. Develop your gifting, your graces. And then to be deployed out there where you live, where you work. We always think being deployed means being deployed in the church. Oh, we want you to serve. Let's do this thing together. Let's have some fun on Sunday mornings and we celebrate. But deployment isn't in here. It's out there. I love the fact that we stand on the shoulders of giants. One being Max Lucado. Another one being Randy Frazee. Randy gave us 10 years. And all he did was beat the drum of neighborhoods. So much so that some of you were like going, stop it, please. (laughs) But his passion for getting church outside the box is something we need to be grateful for. And that is something he has sown into our DNA. Now we have umpteen groups meeting all over the city in restaurants, in fast food places, here, homes, meeting to discover, to develop, and now they're being deployed. Now the last one is one of my favorites. It's to disrupt. Do you know that you are called to a holy disruption, a divine disruption? You are a disruptor by nature. Why? Because Jesus' nature lives in you, and he was everything but calm and peaceful. He was disruptive. Wherever Jesus showed up, disruption occurred. Welcome to the front lines. That is who we're called to be. Now, by the way, it's not a negative thing. Don't think that disruption is negative. It just means the interruption of the status quo. 
So as things are going along in a normal way, our call is to disrupt that. Why? By bringing good news and hope and life and grace and peace and mercy to a, a hurting world. Amen? So a harvest is coming. Let me give you a couple of scriptures here. John 4.35 says this, Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? This is Jesus talking to his disciples and he's laying this out for them. He says this, this is Jesus speaking, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. Not only do we need to look at Jerusalem, not only do we need to look at Judea, not only do we need to look at those dirty people over in Samaria, but we need to look to that other place called the uttermost part of the world. Amen. Because we're not only called to be here, we're called to go there. That's right. So let me just say something, in love. Say, I love Pastor Jimmy. Okay, just needed one again. Just, just so I, when I say this, you'll understand something. Hear my heart in this. Your call and destiny isn't just to live a comfortable life. That's right. Amen. That's right. It's not. Darn it. Me too. Wouldn't it be awesome if, if becoming a follower of Jesus just meant that our job, we're going to get a dream job and everything is just going to be amazing and every day's Friday. Wouldn't that... It, wouldn't that be something? But that's not it. Amen. Bonhoeffer said it this way, Jesus bids a man come and die. Amen. There's a call for us to lay our lives on the line for others. You know, we, say, we think that's some big epic moment. It actually is every day. Yeah. It's as we are going. Yes. So your call, your destiny, your trajectory as a follower of Jesus is to show up and let God show out through you. And when you show up and he shows out, lives are changed and people are compelled to ask you, the witness, questions. That's the heart of evangelism. That's the heart of what it means to share our faith. It's not to show up with your gospel tract and a Bible, stand up in your cubicle at the office and freak everybody out. We're called to leak out, not freak out called to show up and leak out the life of Jesus. That's what overflow is all about. That is why I came up with the title for this series because I'm passionate about this. Passionate about this. Do you not say four months and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. Are we looking at Jerusalem? Are we looking at Samaria? Have you driven down Milam lately? There are people in our orbit that need Jesus. Amen. Not just Main Street, not just 290. Some of these offbeat roads through our town that when you drive through, you feel like you just stepped into another world. I don't know about you, when I drive through those places, my heart, I feel something. I feel the compassion of Jesus Amen. because the need is great. The need is great. He says, look at the fields. Jesus is saying, open your eyes. Look. They're ripe for harvest. Thus the saying, one sows, another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you've reaped the benefits of their labor. That's what I mean when I say we're standing on the shoulders of giants, and Max, and Randy, and others who've gone before us, and we get to actually be a part of reaping a harvest for that. We didn't even sow, but we do get to sow. But that... 
The harvest of reaping is decades of people praying for revival in our time. And I believe in my lifetime, in our lifetime, we will see a move of God that is unprecedented. Yes. It is ripe. Look. Yes. Look. In our study overflow, there's awesome topics. And I pulled this out and then I, I actually reshaped and edited this one. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we will become the living expression of Jesus and the result will be the fruit of the Spirit overflowing out of us into every arena of life and every relational sphere we step into. We are called to show up, leak out, and let God come out through us. And when we're filled with His Spirit, whenever we show up, we can't help but leak out. Whatever that environment is. Listen to this. Evangelist Reinhard Bonnke, I mentioned him earlier in the impact that he's had on mine and Annette's life. And one of the reasons why we're passionate about evangelism is because of Reinhard Bonnke. He says this about the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not an option. Gosh, I'm just going to let that sit there for a minute. Because for many in America, it is. We have assumed that it is. It is essential for authentic Christianity. Unfortunately, over the centuries, the Holy Spirit became a little more than a vague, mystical figure referred to in the creed. Holy Spirit truth was replaced. But Christ's command to ask for the Holy Spirit must be followed if we are to live the lives He intended for us. The Sermon on the Mount and the Great Commission set goals that would be impossible to reach were it not for the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. The filling and empowerment of the Holy Spirit is not an option. That would be like saying, Holy Spirit, I'll take you and Father, thank you, but Jesus, no thanks. Jesus, oh yeah, you're my friend. I am a friend of God. We used to sing that song. You're my friend. Holy Spirit, woohoo, man. You, you, life's a party with the Holy Spirit. Adventure. But Father, you're a little too intense. I, I'm not. Can you imagine what it would be like to reject the Father but receive the other two parts of the Trinity? Or to reject Jesus, but we do the same thing. We just flip it where we're okay with the Father and we're okay with Jesus because we can sort of wrap our mind around that. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, because we don't fully understand the mystery of it, then we reject that which we don't understand. Or am I the only human in the room? Because there was a time in my life, I remember the second chapter of Acts came to Lubbock, did a concert, it was a brand new Christian, and I was not what I would call spirit-filled. I didn't know anything. But here's what I knew. My church, we didn't raise our hands. Because you know those people who raise their hands are just trying to get attention. Hey, look at me. Look at me. I used to think that. Now I'm over there. Woohoo! I mean, I can't help myself. I'm like a kid saying, Daddy, 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 Daddy. Trying to get as close as I can to him. But at the time, I didn't know. So we go to this concert. Remember the band, the second chapter of Acts? Some of you have been around a long time would know them. Matthew Ward and his sisters, and they were amazing. But what I didn't know is that they were charismatics. <laughs> Nobody told me. So this little Baptist boy 
shows up at a concert and people are, man, there's helicopter women going everywhere, woo, spinning around. There's people jumping up and down. There's people praising, doing jumping jacks in the aisle. And I'm like, ah, this is insane. And my church says this is bad. So I did what any respectable young Baptist would do. I left. Showed them. I left in protest, indignant, outraged. I'll show them. And man, I probably missed an amazing concert. I did that in ignorance. Because I didn't understand it, I just rejected it. You know, it's kind of funny when a 21-year-old does that. But it's pretty sad when a 55-year-old does it. Or a 37-year-old does it. Or a 67-year-old does it. Or an 83-year-old does it. That because we don't understand, we haven't matured to a point where we can just learn to say, wow, instead of how about everything. There comes a point where we have to say, Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand everything about it. There's mystery, but Lord, I want to make room for mystery Amen. in this. Ephesians 5, listen to this. Be very careful then how you live. This is Paul speaking, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Boy, is that not relevant for today. Amen. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. There's no period in the Greek. So he's going, this is a continuous thought. He says this, and I'll, I'll read it without the period. And just, you have to stay with me, Melissa, on the slide there. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine. There's no period there. Which leads to debauchery. The word debauchery there simply means excess. Don't get smashed. He didn't say don't drink. He said don't get smashed. Okay, don't, don't tie one on. He's saying here... Don't, get, don't be drunk. He said, instead, he's comparing and contrasting two expressions. He said, instead, be filled with the Spirit. By the way, two things about the Greek language. One, this is an imperative. The word imperative means it's command. This is not an option. And the second piece of it is, it is also passive in nature, which means it's not something you can do. It's only something you can receive. So two things. Two things. It's a command, but you can't do anything. That sounds almost painful, doesn't it? Like, wait, wait, no, come, come, go. No, come, go. It's like, wait, how do you do both? Well, to the Hebrew mind, it was nothing. To Americans, we're like, wait, how do I separate that? Bottom line is this. You can only receive. Lord, I receive the fullness of your spirit. Thank you for who you are, and I receive all that you are. All that you desire for me, I want. Nothing more, nothing less. All that you want. And then you wait, you receive. There's nothing you can do. In other words, you can't behave better. You can't read the Bible more. We somehow think if we just obey more that we'll earn more. You don't earn brownie points with God. Right. You can't work for this thing. Amen. You don't press into this. You rest into Amen. this. You enter into his rest, as the book of Hebrews tells us. And so you enter into it, and you just by faith. This is hard for us sometimes to wrap our minds around, but by faith we just say, yes, Lord, I receive the fullness of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for filling me. I spend most of my time, 90% of my prayers are thank you. Thank you. I'm done with asking. I'm just, thank you. 
Thank you for filling me. Thank you for the fullness of your presence. Thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Thank you for filling me. So my question for you is, and it's interesting because I asked this question in the first service. I had several people come talk to me afterwards. They said, you know, I don't remember ever asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ever. I said, so did you today? <laughs> it's an obvious question. Absolutely. It's good for you. And then do it again tomorrow. And the next day. And the next. Just Because here's one. Let me show you one. Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. What that literally means is to ever or continually be filled. It's a continuous action. It assumes this is an ongoing process. There's no end to it, the way the, the grammar is constructed, which means continually be filled. Why? Because we're hopefully leaky vessels and leaking his life out. And as we leak, we need to be refilled. It's an ongoing process. That's the beauty of being on journey and in an adventure with Jesus. It's an ongoing thing. So here's what I'm going to end with today. When was the last time you asked to be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit? Now, if you're having a hard time remembering... Either you do it on an ongoing basis and it's as natural as breathing, which it should be, or you're just not there yet and no, no condemnation. Listen, some of, sometimes we just don't know. A lot of us weren't taught any of this. I wasn't early on. Like Dr. Jack Deere, I had to stumble on it. And boy, did I ever. So have you ever, and if you haven't, again, no condemnation, why not now? Amen. Why not here? Why not today? We simply lean in and we move into a posture of acceptance. You know what that means? That means maybe physically I may be like this, but really it's more my heart being like this than my physical stance. And so I'm going to invite you to posture yourself to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You know what's so cool about it? Jesus died for you to give his life to you so he could live his life through you. And he does that through the presence of the Holy Spirit living his life and expressing himself out of you. Right. And so here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And as we're standing together, if you want to, put your hands out like this, if you want to. It's, it's, you don't even have to. I do. I'm, I'm an outward person, so I do that. It's, it's easy for me. It's normal. Except for the second chapter of Acts concert, where I freaked out. But I got over it. So I just, if you can, if you do. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray a simple prayer, and I just want you to agree with me. There's power in agreement. Agreement just simply means you're listening to what the person's praying, and you're entering into alignment and agreement with that prayer. And when you do that, you enter into that. So we're in it together. So I'm going to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to fill us to full and to overflowing so that this week as we go out, every time we're bumped or jostled just a little bit by life, your work, your situation, a person, whenever you're bumped or jostled, the only thing that flows out is Jesus. It's Him. At the end of the day, that's what it's about. So I'm inviting you to join me in this prayer. Father, I thank you for my friends that are here. We're here before you as sons and daughters, as family. 
spiritual family. And we're here, Lord, to learn and to grow and to be expanded. We're here because we understand at some level that there's a calling on our life, a destiny, a destination that we're moving toward whereby you give us the capacity, the ability, and the joy of seeing people's lives touched and changed around us in our world. Because of your love for them, we get to participate in this with you. But we also recognize we can't do it without the helper, without the Holy Spirit, the parakletos, the one called alongside to help. So even now, we posture ourselves before you. Your word says in Luke chapter 11, that if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does our heavenly father want to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So we're here asking. And on behalf of my friends and my family right here, I'm asking as a son, Father, would you release to all of us right here, right now, as we posture ourselves before you, would you release the fullness of your Holy Spirit in us right now? And would you fill us to overflow? Or, as those customers used to say, fill her up. Or as the British say, top her off. Father, fill us up. Now, church family, what I do after I pray a simple prayer like that, I just move into thanksgiving. Because I assume by faith that I have what I asked. And so I'm going to pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Father, thank you for filling us. Thank you for filling me. I trust you, Lord, that as this week progresses, every jostle, every bump, every movement will create overflow. It will create a spillover of your life and your presence. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen and amen. Oh, I see a lot of fullness right now.